State of Digital Publishing is a publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this second season episode, we speak with Alex Price, founder of 93Digital, about the state of WordPress for publishers. 93Digital is a leading London's enterprise WordPress agency that empower ambitious marketing and content teams to be successful. Let's begin. Hi, Alex. How are you? Well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'm really looking forward to chatting. Yeah, I'm, I'm keen as well. You know, publishers are using different CMSs these, these days, but, you know, WordPress is still a dominant CMS and a lot of publishers still use it. I've even done a report where I found about um, 40% of publishers using CMS um, WordPress. But before we go into more detail about that, I'd really love to just pass it to you to give a background about yourself and about 93 Digital. Yeah, sounds good. So um, I run 93 Digital here in London in the UK. Um, So we're a specialist digital agency. Um, I guess we describe ourselves as a WordPress agency. So everything we do revolves around delivering digital solutions built on WordPress as a as a CMS, WordPress is a platform. Um, so yeah, a team of project managers, UX and design, uh, WordPress developers, um, digital strategists, all those kind of roles in the agency here in London, yeah, working across um, all kinds of interesting projects. And of course, with, with WordPress being such a natural fit for uh, for publishers, publishers is one of our kind of key, key sectors and key verticals. So uh, we work with a number of different uh, more kind of usually more specialist publishers um, who have all kinds of different interesting revenue streams, I guess, commercially, but that kind of all revolve around um, a digital presence that's built on on WordPress as a as a CMS. So um, all of the usual challenges that we're solving from a design UX angle in terms of engagement and pages per session and time on site and really creating platforms that are as sticky as possible but then obviously on the technical side making sure that the content teams we're working with have the flexibility they need and the cms solutions that we build for them um, and then the bigger landscape of integrations and identity management and tracking and uh, events and all of the things that a lot of our, our publishing clients are doing so yeah i guess in a nutshell that's kind of as in what we do why did you decide to specialize just for publishers and yeah, I guess what makes you keep, just keep focusing on WordPress as the main platform or CMS? Yeah, so I guess I I was freelancing as a kind of all-round designer, developer, digital marketer on the SEO side. So I was doing all kinds of work when I was freelancing and I was working with all kinds of different CMS platforms, um, some of them open source, things like Joomla and Drupal alongside WordPress, but also proprietary systems and bespoke systems and I just kept coming back to WordPress as being the one that I could see that our clients actually just enjoyed using the most um, they found it easy they found it flexible um, and I could see that it was kind of gradually gathering gathering pace so this was probably um, I must have started working with it maybe eight years ago and um, maybe even more so even back then it was it was far less of a mature product than it is now um and so yeah i started to see it really evolving and moving more into a kind of medium-sized business and then enterprisey space and obviously yeah the last few years in particular it's matured massively and, and particularly on the publishing side we've we've seen it really um 
take off in a number of, of different um, use cases. So I guess we, we work with a few other different kind of sectors as well, but um, publishing is a key one for us. And it's, I guess it's really just because WordPress is, you know, if you look at its roots, it comes from a, a blogging platform background. Like its its purpose is to publish content. Um, exactly. And so in its, in its purest form, and although we use it for all kinds of different projects now and uh, kind of commercial sites and working with membership organizations and tech companies and all kinds of different websites, but kind of what sits at the core of all of our projects, in particular on the publishing side, is that um, our clients or the teams we're working with just need to publish content in ways that are easy and flexible and fit with their, their work streams and give them all the tools that they need in terms of their workflows and governance and everything else, um, which WordPress is always evolving. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's a pretty well um, well crafted tool for a lot of publishers these days. And is that how you define enterprise clients? Those that are looking for workflow solutions and more security and and all those other aspects that you mentioned yeah. prior. Yeah, so I think those those kind of things when we when we see the word enterprise, like yeah, those are, those are the kind of words we associate with it. Um, security is obviously a big one, and obviously our specialism is. Um, yeah, WordPress specialists is that we know how to deliver WordPress in a way that's secure and scalable. But yeah, I think one of the one of the areas that maybe WordPress hasn't been as strong in uh, a few years ago was more around those workflows and governance and content and kind of you know publishing things as draft and adopting an editor that it's ready for approval and how much of your content production workflow happens directly through the CMS versus happens through other platforms or offline before then getting kind of basically just copied and pasted into the CMS or being fed through in an API. Um, you know, if, if you're a publisher that's also going to print and you might be using one solution to write all of your content, that then feeds into however you deliver your, your print solution and then uh, also feeds into your, your WordPress CMS potentially. So, yeah, there's a, a number of different, um, yeah, I guess lo- loads of different ways in which our clients tackle that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, workflows, governance, security, speed, performance, SEO, um, all of those kind of things from a technical perspective in terms of WordPress are definitely high on the high on the agenda for our more enterprise clients. Definitely. And then there's there's the obviously there's a the different types of WordPress CMS. So there's the VIP versus the open source versus the one that um I think Google is coming uh, working together with WordPress on the news pack one. Yeah. Uh, What's the split of you working across them three? I think obviously the news pack ones is very limited trial, so I'm I'm assuming you want you don't you're not working on much of those. But what's the, the split on the VIP versus open source that you're working across? Yeah, so WordPress VIP is more of a, a kind of managed hosting platform. So um, they host and manage a number of large scale kind of enterprise publishing sites. So I think publishers is really their specialist um, area typically, um, but the core. The core version of WordPress that sits on VIP is the, is the same thing, effectively. Um, it's, it's still WordPress.org. It's still the open source solution. You just get this layer of management and optimization and powerful hosting um, that helps to make that platform scale a bit further. So, you know, some of the the cases that they work with, like USA Today and New York Post and um, some pretty high traffic publishers, um, I think a number of different news core um brands are kind of on uh, on VIP solutions. So um, we don't have anything that actually sits directly on VIP. I think we're, um, we probably service a more middle to 
high end part of the market, which doesn't necessarily always see the value in sitting on a, a fully VIP solution or isn't quite delivering at the level of scale, just in terms of volume of traffic that that can justify VIP. Um, it's obviously a very high end platform and, and the costs are reflected in that as well. So the majority of our work is the open source product, WordPress.org. Um, we typically host with a hosting company called WP Engine. Um, so they service the part of the market that we work in incredibly well, and they're kind of an enterprise managed hosting solution, a bit like VIP, but I think more accessible, easier to work with, um, and more more cost effective in a lot of ways as well. Um, so yeah, the majority of our work happens with that kind of middle option, and then yeah, obviously really interested in in Newspack, which is the the product that um, automatic and automatic is steering. But um, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, Google are partnering with them on and I'm sure a number of other partners as well. Um so yeah, it looks looks like a really interesting one. Um I think one that we're watching closely at the moment. They're just I think they've opened for applications for the next kind of fifty or so sites that can onboard to the, the product. Um I think they're starting with twelve or so different newsrooms that are, are launching on the service in I think October time this year. Yeah. Um but yeah it looks like a really interesting step forwards and I think in terms of price points as well looks um yeah it looks like it could be much more accessible too for what looks like quite a, a powerful solution. Um so yeah it's one one that we're watching carefully and I think wherever we've got an opportunity to um explore it with a client we'll we'll definitely be looking. Absolutely. And and what do you see the current landscape in terms of uh CMS platforms out there? I mean we've like I like we've alluded to there's news pack that's being released. I know there's other ones that are more being tailored to publishers like Ghost and a few other yeah, ones yeah. due to their flexibility. What do you currently see the landscape to be and, and how do you think what's driving the change or the, the current state of play? Yeah, so I think that's quite an interesting time, I think, just in, in technology generally where we're, we're, we're at a stage now where people who have used certain CMS solutions early on in their career um, are starting to move jobs and progress and uh, become you know, more senior in the different roles that they work in. And I think if they've, something that I'm observing more and more regularly is that if they've had a good experience working with a particular CMS or product, they're quite likely to take it with them and, and keep moving forward with it um, even when they, when they change jobs. So I think more and more we're seeing lots of, um, kind of internal champions of WordPress, but other products too, who, you know, they've been very hands-on inside the CMS as uh, even on the journalism side or in terms of product management or wherever they've been in their publishing career. And then suddenly they are head of digital in a new publishing company and WordPress is that product that they know and love and they know what's what's possible with it. And so they they look to implement it in their, in their next organization. So I think we're, we're in an interesting time in that respect, just the technology landscape generally where uh, certain products are starting to consolidate the market in, in certain reasons, in, in, in certain areas, just because people enjoy working with them and they know them well. Um, so I think that's one interesting angle that's worth considering. Um, the other is that I just think you know, that there are a whole load of different solutions out there. And I think you know, I'm the first to recognize when WordPress or any other CMS isn't necessarily the best for the job. Um, I think we really do have to just think about working backwards from really what the client's trying to 
achieve effectively and taking that kind of product focused approach where we look at what solutions there are on the market that really needs of the client and so the ones that you mentioned i think yeah we see pretty regularly um i think i probably don't see anything that's really like super stand out there's things like craft and ghost and other things which i see kind of gradually popping up every now and then and more and more regularly but you know there's all the open source platforms in terms of drupal and Dremler as well, and you've got Concrete 5 and Typo 3. There's, there's lots of products which aren't necessarily um, publishing-specific, and then obviously you've got the ones which are very much publishing-specific as well. Um, I guess a lot of the publishing-specific ones are not normally open-source. They're normally proprietary. They normally come with some kind of cost and often quite a high cost as well. So, yeah, it's an interesting landscape. I, I, I don't know what um, would be interesting to know from your your survey and research, were there anything, any other kind of products that really, really stood out beyond WordPress? I mean, I've, I find that there's a lot more open source like API integrations, like because there's yeah. things like memberships or different types yeah. of revenue models that you're trying to customize to customize to on WordPress. Add that layer on top of it. There's definitely yeah. more of that. I think that's yeah. That's what I was going to say next. Is really that I think a lot of our clients, particularly in that middle tier of kind of specialist publisher, you know, they're not their business model isn't all reliant on just delivering millions of unique visits every month. Uh, they might be delivering hundreds of thousands or kind of low millions a month, but actually then the revenue streams are much more diversified. And I think as more publishers struggle to make revenue from more traditional forms of display ads and um, the kind of the obvious things, the things that they might have been doing in print, running banner ads that they then try to move across to the internet and <laughs> suddenly they don't work as well as, revenue streams and um, most of our clients are doing all kinds of different forms of sponsored content white papers they're running events they're um, running all kinds of different conferences um, they've got event listings on their website they've got platforms through which sponsors can sign in and kind of share their resources and list their own events there's almost two sides now to a website one for subscribers and, and registers to, to log in um, and access the site and then another one sometimes for Publish uh, for for sponsors and partners to actually kind of self manage their their content. So yeah, I think that's for me that's definitely where I see everything heading is uh, certain products, WordPress included, being used for really what they're good at, which is in WordPress's case, publishing content, having a really nice, flexible, easy to use CMS that allows content publishers to publish what they need to, and then around that layering through all kinds of different APIs and gateways all of the different products that you need for advertising for identity management for subscriptions all of the all the different things that typically make up the the ecosystem that most um, publishers are working in these days so yeah i i think i see the architecture of publishing platforms being yeah more kind of distributed working with much more integrated specialist tools and just recognizing that yes you can maybe do everything through WordPress or you think you can, you know, you can install a content wall plugin. Uh, you can manage your users and members directly as just WordPress users in the database. In theory, you can do a lot of the things that publishers want to do completely under one roof in WordPress, but is it the optimal way of doing it? Is it going to be, uh, is it going to give you the best longevity? Is it going to give your customers the best user experience? Um, is it going to give you the best analytics and reporting that you need to, to keep evolving and growing as a 
yeah as a publisher probably not yeah definitely um and have you seen i mean i've seen in some unique cases where they've probably used wordpress as the front end or they've used that as the the skin of the website yeah. to hold the content but then they've because there's a lot, lot more headless web uh, um, websites they're trying to take that approach where they've used that as a way to contain the content have you seen much of that complex builds done or are you working across that type of builds uh we're doing more and more stuff in that space um we don't have a live project that's purely publishing focused that's that's in that realm but i think we're definitely seeing the rise of of headless cms's generally yeah i think so wordpress um i can't remember when exactly but probably a couple of years ago now has had a rest api built directly into uh, the wordpress core um, and so that's really opened up what's possible um in terms of yeah the overall publishing experience and how they manage their technology solutions so yeah giving a kind of decentralized publishing experience where the editorial editing experience is just uh, nice and simple and exactly what people want from wordpress content is then pushed through wordpress rest api and published on a nice user-friendly front end using react or some kind of front end framework um so i guess a lot of the challenges that were faced a few years ago were when you use front end frameworks and um things like react to build the front end of a site there were there were potential issues around how google rendered that content and whether or not it could be rendered completely before google crawled it and and so from an seo perspective there were some question marks and challenges but but now with what's known as server-side rendering um, and Google. I've noticed recently it's been doing a lot of education around using JavaScript, and I think they definitely see it as the future of the web. Now, so a lot of their content in terms of educating people around SEO and um, being a good webmaster is, is actually um, educating people around how to use JavaScript in a way that Google understands and is safe and can still be read as in a friendly way from an SEO angle. So yeah, yeah I, definitely see that. I see that as well. And and even like marketers are becoming more technical. The shift to the power balance is more sitting on marketers and they have to be technical as well. So they, yeah. I think they I think you're totally right on that regard. I'd love to really now go into more of the use cases um just so that for because you and you hit the nail on the head, multi publishers. A lot of them that that are focusing on multiple revenue models and streams, they they're doing this type of customization. So I'd really love to help them out, uh, particularly with giving them some use cases and how to better use and manage WordPress. Uh, stuff like even like doing website relaunches or even workflows. I'd love to delve into to that um, deeper. So let's start off with yeah. website relaunches. What do you see the common mistakes and some of the things? publishers should do to better manage that workflow even if they're working with external parties who are inverted commas helping them in the process yeah of course so i think uh, there's probably a number of things that we see come up regularly i think for us the most important stage of any project is what we refer to as the discovery and definition phase at, at the very beginning yeah. um and really that's a real deep dive into any existing digital platform is really understanding um how a, a product's being used currently maybe elements of user research or auditing analytics um all of the things that we really need before our design team team, strategists whatever can just dive into designing something um 
uh, it's really important just to to lay the the more strategic foundations of the project and make sure that everybody's on the same page and looking at the project from the same angle and, and also with the same objectives in mind. Um, a big part of that process as well is just from a technical angle, making sure that everything's crystal clear and that um, there's either kind of a product backlog of, of features and functionality um, or really strong kind of technical scoping functional specifications that really outline how we're going to build and approach all of the different technical parts of a project. Um, so obviously, I'm sure you're aware there's there's different ways of working, particularly with external partners. Sometimes clients might engage us on a kind of fixed cost. Here's a big project. We want you to scope it out, do the discovery, and then tell us how much it's going to cost to, to do the design and build after that. Other clients might be wanting to work in a more agile way where we almost build them a bit of a, a team that just works with them um, in a more fixed way on an ongoing basis. But then that, of course, leaves costs and timelines potentially a little bit more open-ended. Um, so you get you know, you, you get stuck in a bit faster and you start start burning through stuff and you're able to make changes and learn and uh, be a bit more agile as you go. Um, but then from a commercial perspective, particularly if a client's working with an external partner, they often have to go back to the rest of the business and say, you know, this is what we're spending and this is the timeline we're going to be delivering in. Um, I think a big thing with relaunches is just content and content migration as well, particularly if we're uh, launching relaunching uh, a site from legacy CMSs. So um, a good example is probably for one of the, the more flagship um, publishing clients that we work with is is Physics World, so part of the Institute of Physics Publishing, so super specialist um, uh, publication around the world of physics. They had some uh, previous platform before going over to WordPress was, a I think, a very um, legacy technology platform that we couldn't even get full uh, access to their databases and there was some instability so we couldn't even get to a database to do a kind of structured export of all content so we ended up actually having to write custom scripts that crawled the whole front end of the site and we're talking about 10,000 posts I think going back I think oh, over yeah. 15 years more um, and we had to identify where the title was where the excerpt was you know the, the first paragraph featured image basically teach these scripts to find the right data in the right place, lift all of that off the page, transform it, and then get it into a structure that is ready to be imported back into, into WordPress in the right way. So that was uh, that was definitely, I think that's a fairly unique situation where indeed we don't have database uh, you know, access and things are far less structured than we would have liked. Um, but just an example of something more more complex on that end. Um, so I think that's definitely one to watch is just, again, in a nutshell, it's thorough planning, thorough discovery and definition. Um, but in particular around around content migration, um, so I think that's always the thing that it's often not possible to really know how well that's going to go until you've got the new CMS up and running and you actually test some imports. So, yeah, it's one of those things that needs some careful consideration just in terms of timelines of the project as well. And um, with with migrations or relaunches, how do you see the relationship with the WordPress agency like yourself play? How do you see your role play in this? Like um, in my experience as well, like when I've worked on similar campaigns, like I, I usually work with that developers to then give the publisher the best solution. Is that how you see the, the sort of the um, how how you see things play out, or how do you see the stakeholder management? Yeah, I think my perspective as an agency owner is the days and looking ahead as agencies, our job is to just kind of work around our clients, kind of as you say, in the most optimal way possible. And I think that's very just dependent on 
the structure of the client team. So some clients will have people from marketing, from product management, from technical, from the content side in terms of journalists. They'll have stakeholder groups, which you know, are 10, 15 people easily sometimes. Um, they might have certain skills in-house that they don't need from us. And so really for us, it's just about building our offering and structure around um, around what they need. So we, I think we very much tailor our approach um, based on the resource the client has. Yeah, we want to deliver a solution that commercially makes sense and um, also make sure that we, we leverage as much of the skill that we have as specialists in-house, but also work closely with our clients who often have very specialist skills internally as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's in a, in a brief answer. It's kind of different, different on every project, but really just tailored to the requirements of the client and um, for that project and based on their team. Makes sense. And so, how about use cases around the workflow development and builds? What do you find some of the common things or sort of the common pain points that publishers, mid-sized publishers, face and 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 come to you guys with? Yeah, so I think um, it's usually just around uh, kind of permission levels and what the workflow is for then actually publishing content based on those permission levels. So I think that the starting point for us is just understanding what tools and process they're using elsewhere in the business for, or for other parts of the business. And then when we start to feed all of that into, okay, here's your WordPress CMS, it's a case of, well, what are you trying to do specifically in the CMS versus what are you doing outside of the CMS? And, you know, who are the type of users with different permissions that are going to be publishing content through WordPress and almost just a, a kind of flowchart mapping out the logic of, you know, this user can create a post as a draft, but they can't publish unless it's submitted to either the, the user level above them or to a certain person. So I think this is a, as a feature within WordPress has always been something that has been slightly missing from at least from the WordPress core and now really there's a number of different plugins and ways of looking at this that will allow us to build these kind of kind of workflows I think obviously post revisions is quite important too for publishers so some platforms will disable that by default but if we can then having revisions available as well means that clients kind of as part of their workflow can go back and see see content that's been uh been edited but yeah I think it's really just that alerting notifications, telling people when there's content ready for review in a queue, telling people when their piece of content's been published, building out all those kind of alerts and notifications, something that hasn't been that native within WordPress in the past and that we've yeah approached either through sometimes more bespoke solutions, um, sometimes using plugins, sometimes customizing those plugins. So again, there's a number of ways of tackling it just depending on specifically what, what the client needs. But yeah, there's, there's usually solutions out there. Absolutely. Did you have any other use cases in mind? I have another use case that I thought maybe it's a common thing, particularly as publishers and that size, they want to keep expanding and growing the website. They, they look yeah. at how, um, how they improve their taxonomy. And I guess there's the use of categories versus tags and, and all those things. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you seen that sort of engagement with, with, with your clients? Or, and, and what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so I think it's it's one of those areas that can often cause um, a lot of internal debate among stakeholders, and it's one of those things that we spend a lot of time working with our clients on. Um, I think sometimes, so obviously WordPress has categories and it has tags built into it by default, um, and I think sometimes that can cause a bit of confusion because people see both of those things and then they try and almost force 
the taxonomies that they've been using into one of those two buckets or kind of work around them. And the reality is that in theory, we can kind of create taxonomies as we want to within WordPress, like we can customize it as, as we need to. So I think sometimes where I've seen some confusion and frustration is, is just like trying to force stuff into working with out of the box WordPress when actually, you know, there's other ways of, of approaching it. And I think, you know, sometimes we're uh, taxonomizing based on, on categories. Uh, sometimes we are using tags. Sometimes we're looking at uh, like content types. So whether it's a, a blog post or a news post or a video or, uh, an, or a podcast, a webinar, whatever it might be. So I think at a minimum, we're usually using kind of, yeah, four or five different taxonomies in different ways. Sometimes some of them might just be hidden within the CMS for kind of internal management. Some of them might be kind of front front facing for the end user as well. Again, I think some clients have started projects with us where they've done a lot of this work up front or they've had internal sessions with with stakeholders and they have a pretty clear idea of what they want to be what they want to be using. And it's just they're using us just to validate that and make sure it's possible within WordPress and that we're following best practice in terms of again from an SEO angle, are those taxonomies indexed in Google? Are there archive pages available for them? Uh, when we're dealing with a publisher that's got um, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pieces of content on the site. We need to think quite carefully about that because we can end up really spreading the site quite thin in terms of how it's indexed across Google and potentially having lots of small uh, kind of content indexed across um, all kinds of different archive templates um, for those different taxonomies. So that's that's one angle that's worth thinking about as well. And in other cases, yeah, we've we've worked quite closely with the client and run kind of workshops and post-it note sessions to really think about how those taxonomies can be mapped out uh, and importantly how they work together within the CMS how there's that kind of interconnectivity between them how about in terms of automation what have you found things that or hacks or things that people publishers want to go around and you're trying to scale their publishing efforts yeah I mean I think it's a really exciting time generally and that there's so much interesting technology that's coming into the digital publishing ecosystem in terms of automation, but also forms of AI and um, content relevance. I mean, there's a plugin which I think you're aware of, Leo, um, which does kind of related content, um, AI intelligence suggestions around content. Um, so yeah, there's, there's all kinds of different tools and tech. I guess from a more pure automation perspective we probably just see it at the moment more from being able to publish content from different systems and those kind of all feeding into wordpress so i guess there might be a use case where publishers using a different platform to manage their content uh, and then connecting by the api to create posts within within wordpress so they might not actually be going into wordpress that much at all or it might just be a secondary layer of work that happens in wordpress um so i think the world of APIs that we're in now means that we've got all kinds of interesting opportunities for, yeah, for for streamlining workflows, making people's lives easier, um, speeding up the process. Um, yeah, but I think I think that the use of different technologies, are particularly things like Biblio, where yeah, I think a lot of our clients, uh, I'm probably going to generalize massively, but you know we open the analytics account of a lot of our kind of mid-tier specialist publishing clients, and we see maybe kind of 1.2 pages per session we see a time on site of like a, a between a minute and a minute and a half um we see a bounce rate of like 70 70 80 percent um and that that behavior of users is 
quite intrinsic, I think, in terms of how they find and access content. They're either seeing content on social media and coming to that specific piece of content and then leaving again, or they're searching for something on Google. So long tail search is driving them to open six or seven tabs on a particular topic. Then they're closing those tabs again and they're leaving again. So for all the challenges that we're trying to solve for clients are about keeping keeping people on the site, increasing engagement. Um, and a big way of doing that is obviously there's a big design and UX side to it, but being able to promote relevant and related content um, that's more intelligent um, can be a really powerful way of doing that as well. What are some of the, quickly, uh, just in, in short points, I guess, what are some of the common ish errors or some of the things that publishers want to do, but or they do, but then it really makes it harder or challenging to um, manage the website? Like, what, what are some of the common things that you've seen? I think for me, the one that stands out there is probably CMS flexibility, potentially. Um, so I think we often see briefs which our clients wanting kind of almost near endless flexibility in terms of the different um, pages and layouts and things that they can build. Um, but I guess don't necessarily think about the burden that that then puts on people actually managing CMS day to day and the levels of training and knowledge needed to kind of correctly manage that kind of system. But also for us from a development angle, it's quite a fine line to build something that is very flexible, but also is not too easy to break or has enough logic and rules built into it to make sure that we maintain a level of cohesiveness and consistency across layouts and templates and all of those kind of things. So, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of publishers go into projects thinking we want to be able to do absolutely anything to any page at any time. Um, but then the reality is that when they're back to the day-to-day of publishing content that's actually quite a time-consuming process next so i think that's quite a fine line that needs to be walked with a lot of careful careful balance um i think you know the fact that there's now the new gutenberg by press actually helps to helps to tackle that to some extent and i think the news pack product helps that even more um because i think it gives that kind of page builder um approach but you know, it can be delivered in a way that, that has some structure and rules associated with it. Um, I think something that we see often is that people forget about the people and the process side of technology. And for me, they always come in this kind of triangle of three. You've got technology, you've got people, and you've got process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very yeah, completely distracted by just the technology in its purest form. And for two or three stakeholders to get excited about something that actually the rest of the team day to day aren't going to use or they don't have the people that they need to to actually use that functionality or they don't have the process in place to to make use of that functionality too so um i think where there's a a brief on our rfp or a document outlining requirements if there's a page about technology then there should also be a page about people and a page about process that's the that's a good holy trinity that you've mentioned and um I, no, I agree. I think there's there's people people who sometimes have their own agenda, not of it, like not on purpose, but just because they have their own standpoint on things and they want to push their uh, they think what's best, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's best for the other people. Um, exactly. and I think that's the value of the discovery phase at the start is like getting everybody wrapped around everybody that's involved in the project sat sat in a room, 
and really agreeing that this is important, this isn't, this can be a phase two, uh, and but ultimately we're all trying to achieve this number or this KPI or this objective, and let's let's work together as a team to 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 work backwards from there. Yeah, I mean, even even take it to the next step. Like, I've been in other cases where they've actually gone through and done a responsibility, like a matrix where people they're responsible for yeah. certain things, and then like that's a whole process in itself. Like, that's all part of the scoping process. Like you mentioned, six to eight weeks, particularly for those type of publishers. So. It's really important as well not to underestimate that process because once you once you start running, like you can't run before before you walk. Um, some people just start running and then they fall down straight away, and there's always issues that come up. And yeah, just, yeah, it's too late at that point. Yeah, I mean, with talking about page builders as well, um, do you find that that's also an issue with page speed? Because I've I've seen as well on my own WordPress site, like you have to really try to manage because it's with Elementor and web landing page builders, they have their yeah. own code and it's code blow and stuff. So, yeah. Um, what do you, are you is it? Do you find that um, more multi publishers are using that type of solutions now? Yeah. So, uh, I guess so. I actually laughed when I saw Newspack for the first time because it's very similar to um, almost a, a layer of CMS management that we built for a client. Um, before Gutenberg and the whole framework that Newspack is built on existed, okay. we, we used custom fields and we built a very similar system where the user could select different modules of flexible content and basically craft home pages and category um, pages as they needed to. Um, so it was good to see that we were kind of heading in the right direction and that um, WordPress was going that way anyway. And, and now that it's built on kind of the blocks of Gutenberg, then I think it's going to be a really powerful, powerful solution moving forwards but i think we see yeah we definitely see the same issues we, we tend to steer pretty clear of things like elemental just because as you say there's just so much code in there there's so much functionality um any client that's using that kind of solutions probably you know they're loading so many resources and so much code on the front end of their site for their user and for google when it calls their site um, which they don't actually need and they're not using um, and actually they can be quite fiddly and hard to manage anyway moving forwards again people get i think they see through rose tinted glasses this kind of world of absolute flexibility and they think this is incredible we can do anything we want and um you know we're going to going to create some incredible layouts and suddenly that you know they're back to their day jobs and it takes loads of time it's quite fiddly things keep moving around it's like it's actually quite hard to keep them keep the layouts consistent across different pages um so yeah from a speed and seo perspective um I would definitely say that um, those kind of out-of-the-box page builder solutions are best avoided if possible. And, and I think the more that you can use more kind of core WordPress elements, blocks uh, within Gutenberg and potentially news back in the future, then, um, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the route to go down if possible. Is, do you have an... Um, I want to ask you some quick rapid-fire questions. So, uh, first, first one... How much is too much plugins? Oh, good question. It's a tough one. I think when we look at plugins, we really think about like uh, when were they updated? Are they, you know, do we know the author? What are the reviews? Uh, have we done compatibility tests? Have we looked at the code? So, in theory, if every plugin installed on the site met all of those criteria to a really high standard, then there almost wouldn't be 
a limit to some extent, and obviously there, there is a limit um, just from practical perspectives. But like, if, if every plugin was built to the absolute highest standards of quality and well supported and well looked after, technically you shouldn't have to set an upper limit if that makes sense. Um, I think it's more just that plugins are sometimes seen as a bit of a shortcut way of doing things, and you know sometimes we don't know who's built them, we don't know how secure they are. They can cause all kinds of problems clashing with other plugins and other functionality. Um, so general rule of thumb for us is keep plugins to minimum. Um, we might build some functionality just into the WordPress theme and, and build it more into the core functionality of the site itself. Um, but yeah, sorry, I don't have an exact number for you, but hopefully that gives a bit of context. That's okay. Favorite theme? Oh, good question. Um, and I'm going to ask you oh, after yeah. that favorite plugin. So have that in mind. <laughs> it's been a number of years since we've worked with an off-the-shelf theme, but most of our work is kind of custom-built um, themes where we're using our own, we've got our own theme framework, which is just like a lightweight, flexible starter theme that has yeah, a few bits of functionality, but it's just optimized to be fast and secure and ready to build from. So yeah, I guess um, it'd be hard to say. Like, I, I think I'd probably just go with one of the... Uh, WordPress default themes and um, one of their one of their out of the box uh, uh, you know how they do a different one each year in terms of like named after the year um, I know, you, I know you, can, you can choose your own one that's fine I mean you could say your own one <laughs> yeah, since you've already let's go with that. I'll, uh, I'll go with our own theme framework okay so favorite plugin I guess in the publishing world I'll, I'll probably give another shout out to to Biblio I think um, they've got a great plugin which works really well and is super effective and um yeah if you're looking to make your related posts block more intelligent more effective more engaging i think it's definitely worth checking out biblio and, and their wordpress plugin favorite wordpress version i'm sure that brings you back a memory of the favorite time that you started working on publishing wordpress so favorite wordpress version i think i'm just going to go with with 5.0 and the, the most recent well, the most recent major version that included the new Gutenberg editor. I think it was one that came with a lot of apprehension. People felt it was too soon, it was too fast. Is Gutenberg ready? There was a lot of concern. The whole community was watching it really closely. Uh, but it was kind of, it was forced through a little bit. But now it's here and I think it's opened up all kinds of exciting opportunities for, for how we can work with WordPress. Okay. What WordPress version did you start off with when you were started doubling into WordPress? I think it was like uh, three point something. It was it was a while ago. Yeah, I think it was like a, a somewhere in the mid to end threes or early. Yeah, must have been some, somewhere oh, that's, around. That's that. okay. I remember working on WordPress two and stuff like that was pretty back back then as well. Like ten yeah, years. Must have been. I'm just looking. I guess yeah, three point two was 2011 July. Uh, so it must have been yeah, it must have been like late two, two point nine or three or something. Um, this was probably like 2009, 2010 that I was starting to really get into to doing stuff with WordPress. Yeah, same here. What's the one thing you're looking forward to seeing in WordPress that will benefit publishers? So I think as the Gutenberg page editor evolves, I don't know how much you know about it, but it, it's, it's quite new and only been around since the start of the year. Yeah. Um, but I think because it's, you know, as it advances, and I know the core team are working really hard on progressing it and moving it forward in the, the later phases of the project, I think it just opens up a world of possibilities for publishers to create incredible, dynamic, flexible content 
at relative speed and at relative scale and create yeah incredible experiences for their users and readers and people viewing their site um so i know it kind of already exists i think i'm just really looking forward to from a publishing perspective really looking forward to seeing it evolve and grow as a as a new site to wordpress that i think should attract even more publishers to the platform that's fair enough okay i'd like to just uh, get your idea on you know how we spoke about javascript technologies and everything else because ph uh, wordpress is built on php and and I guess what are you looking ahead in WordPress? What do you think? What do you think is going to be the key thing that WordPress needs to do to be able to stay relevant for publishers? I know Gutenberg has been a big help, but I think that's sort of a band-aid into something bigger. Yeah, I think it's just the ecosystem and community around the edges of the product that we're going to keep keep evolving it as a product for publishers, and I think it's really important that WordPress core and automatic and the ecosystem around it stay close to publishers stay engaged with agencies and people like us who are really trying to deliver wordpress into interesting environments and interesting use cases um, and make sure that we keep listening because i think there's sometimes a risk when a product such as wordpress now powering over a third of the entire internet which is huge yeah and um, i think it's just important not to get complacent not to not to assume that um, it's out in front and you know I, I don't think that's happening I, you know, it's not a suggestion that um, anybody involved in the, the WordPress world is, is by any means slowing down or um, or taking their eye off the ball but I think it's just important that as the market continues to consolidate somewhat around technology or, or appear to consolidate it's quite quick and easy for new products and competing solutions to kind of just come out of the woodwork quite quickly so yeah I think it's the, the ecosystem you know, developers, community developers, people contributing back to the product, platforms like WP Engine who are working to evolve the hosting ecosystem and make that more accessible. All of those things will, I think, keep feeding back into making WordPress more accessible and a, and a better product for publishers. And what's one advice you'd give to set up a successful WordPress agency? Because it's very, as you said, it's very nation specific, particularly with... Yeah. Imagine, imagine focusing on publishers. What's your one main advice? I think stay small and specialist as long as possible. Like I think agencies in themselves are not, they're not necessarily born to be scalable business models. They're very people intensive. They rely on lots of human resource to do good work. And with employing large teams of people, complexity grows. But I think if you can stay really specialist, really focused on one thing that you're good at and it might just be that you're a WordPress agency it might be that you're a WordPress agency that only works with certain sectors or certain types of company I think that clients like that and um, publishers like that they want to work with people that have solved similar challenges for similar clients in the past elsewhere in the industry and so the, the more you can demonstrate how you've done that I think the, the stronger the position you'll you'll be in um, so yeah being being niche and specialist is is definitely the best place to start at least Absolutely. And with that, thank you so much for your time, Alex. I appreciate it. No worries. It's been great to chat. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.